0: Hello folks and welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. We hope that this message will bless your heart, draw you closer to Jesus Christ, and help you in your daily walk as you seek to serve our Lord. Order my steps. I've been singing that all week. That was from the Mississippi Baptist Singing Churchmen group, and uh, that was actually a live. I've got the CD. It's a live recording of uh, of them from when we were at Highland Baptist Church. They, they had a concert. They have a spring and a fall concert, and uh, and our minister of music at the time was was a member of that group. It's a seventy-five voice uh, men's Baptist singing churchmen. They they tour the state and uh, different things got two passages of scripture this morning. If you don't want to turn to the first one, uh, which is Psalm 119, you can be turning to Judges chapter 17. We'll be reading a brief passage from Psalm 119, and then we'll spend the rest of our time this morning in Judges. Like I said, the title of the message is Order My Steps. Psalm 119 starting in verse 129. The psalmist writes these words. Your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Turn to me and have mercy on me, as you always do to those who love your name. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. And I'll stop there. Life can be frustrating when things don't work the way they're supposed to. I think all of us probably have been in one of these circumstances. We Maybe we're out of town and we... Need to go buy an ATM machine, and we drive around looking for an ATM that we we'll, we can get some cash out of. It. We finally find one. We pull up to it, and it's a sign on there that says "out of order." That's so frustrating. Maybe you're on a road trip, and you really need to go to the restroom, and you you finally you come up on a service station, and you stop, and you walk in, and there's that dreaded sign "out of order." Maybe you. Dial a phone number before, and we get that that tone. We're sorry, the number you dialed is no longer in service or has been disconnected. Those are so so frustrating, and I imagine all of us have had some of those similar type situations. It doesn't take long to watch the news and read the newspaper to see that our world is out of order, Amen. our country's out of order. We're out of order. We're on a di- downward spiral of moral decay. Spiritual decline. Does it grieve you to see what's going on in the world today? It should. Because I believe Almighty God is grieved by what He sees. The psalmist wrote in this passage we just read from in verse 136. He says, I didn't read that, but In 119, verse 136, it says, Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. It's almost as if the psalmist is looking at today's world. We're out of order, and our prayer for our own lives and for the lives of those in our country and for our world ought to be, as he wrote there in verse 133, Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Direct my footsteps according to your words. Now the King James Version renders it this way. Order my steps in thy word. We'll look at a passage this morning if you want to turn now to Judges chapter 17. This is a a time in the life of Israel where Things weren't going to do. They were in a moral decline, spiritual decay. And I think as we look at this passage this morning, we can see some parallels to our world and to our lives today. And maybe draw some truths there, maybe some lessons we can learn as we study this passage together. So let's look there at verse 1 of Judges chapter 17. Now a man named Micah from the hill country of Ephraim said to his mother, The 1,100 shekels of silver that were taken from you and about which I heard you utter a curse, I had that silver with me. I took it. Then his mother said, The Lord bless you, my son. When he returned the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, she said, I solemnly consecrate my silver to the Lord for my son to make a carved image and a cast idol. I will give it back to you. So he returned the silver to his mother, and she took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the silversmith, who made them into an image and the idol. And they were put in Micah's house. Now, this man Micah had a shrine, and he made an ephod and some idols and installed one of his sons as his priest. In those days, Israel had no king, everyone did as he saw fit. A young Levite from Bethlehem in Judah who had been living within the clan of Judah left that town in search of some other place to stay. On his way, he came to Micah's house in the hill country of Ephraim. Micah asked him, where are you from? I'm a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, he said, and I'm looking for a place to stay. Then Micah said to him, live with me and be my father and priest, and I'll give you 10 shekels of silver a year, your clothes and your food. So the Levite agreed to live with him, and the young man was to him like one of his sons. Then Micah installed the Levite, and the young man became his priest and lived in his house. And Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will be good to me, since this Levite has become my priest. Let's pray. Almighty God, be with us this morning. Lord, speak through me. Hide me behind the cross. Lord, help us to see the lessons that you would have us to see from this passage. Help us to order our steps in your word. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. When we look at the state of affairs in our world today, we say, how did all this get so messed up? Where did it all get started? Well, let me tell you something. It all starts with confusion in the hall. The first thing I'd like for us to see is It starts with confusion in the home. The home is the very foundation of society. It's where we teach our children right from wrong. But so many times there's confusion in the home. Psalm 127, we read from that earlier, that verse one of that chapter says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. We're to be building our homes on the word of God teaching our children and our grandchildren about the Lord. In that same Psalm 127 on further down in verses 3 and 4 it says children are a heritage from the Lord offspring are a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. We need to be teaching our children and our grandchildren about the Lord. We need to be having clear understanding from them about who God is not only by our words but by our actions Proverbs 22 verse 6 says this train up a child in the way he should go even when he is old he will not depart from it are we training our young people up in the way they should go are we training our young people up in the way they should go they want to be just like us. Think about it, guys. If you've got a pair of boots and you got a son or a grandson, they want a pair of boots, don't they? Just like Daddy, just like Granddaddy. If you've got a cowboy hat and a gun, they want one just like it. Ladies, if you've got a, 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 a daughter or a granddaughter, they want to put your high heel shoes on and your gown and your floppy hat and they want to walk around in the house. Prance around. They want to get in Grandma's makeup drawer and doll themselves up. They want to be just like us. They want to be just like us. When I was growing up, my granddaddy was the superintendent of the, the foreman there of the grain elevator in Lapeerous, grain, and every year they would give the Lapeerous caps out. You y'all remember those? Some of you guys thought they were coolest looking caps. A light denim in the front, mesh back usually, and the laparuse emblem on the front. I've got one of those hats. I found it when Renee and I got married, I had it stashed away. But he wore one everywhere he went and I wanted to be just like him. I wanted to wear that hat. I found one, I still got it. And I told her uh, yesterday, I, I want to get that hat. I want to take that, find somebody that can take the emblem off that hat, and put it on a new one because the bill's all cracked up and it's old probably 40 years old. But we want to be just like our parents or grandparents. We want to follow in their footsteps. Let me ask you a question. (coughs) Are there things in our home that our children and grandchildren see or hear us say that we wouldn't want them to repeat? I think if we're all honest, and if I'm honest, that's so in our house. There's things that I say and do that I don't want my children to repeat. What are we teaching our children? Is there confusion in our homes? Now, you look at this passage here. This this lady had 1,100 shekels of silver, which was a large sum of money. A priest got 10 shekels a year. so This was a wealthy lady. And her own son stole her money from her. And rather than her disciplining her, her son, he, he heard her curse the one that took it. And he had no fear of God, but he had fear of the curse. And he said, Mama, I took your money. Rather than her disciplining her son and saying, You should have done that, what did she do? Oh, bless you, you're such a good boy. And listen to this. She. She said, you know, I had dedicated all that 1100 to the Lord. She said she had wholly dedicated the money to the Lord. Yet when she gets it back from her son, what does she do? She takes only 200 of it. And gives that to make that idol, that graven image. What about the other 900 She promised the whole amount to the Lord. Yet she kept 900 back. It's no wonder her son stole from his mother. He learned it from her. This family is in spiritual and moral confusion. There's confusion in the home. Is there confusion in our homes today? What are we teaching our kids? What are we teaching our grandkids? Are we teaching them about the Lord? Or are they learning other things from us? When there's confusion in the home, the second thing that I want to see that leads to compromise in our worship, compromise in our worship. The Pew Research Center did a survey over the last 10 years and they found that 65% of the adults in the United States identify themselves as Christian. Yet there's a 12% decline over the previous 10 years and then this same research group did a study of church attendance. They found in the last 10 years church attendance has declined by 7 percent. The most sobering number of all listen to these when they polled 35,000 people 84% of those who were identified as the silent generation those that were born from 1928 to 1945. 84% of those people identified as Christians. The baby boomers Born from 1946 to 1964, 76% identify as Christians. The millennial generation, I don't know what the years are, but it's the young folks, the 19 to 30-year-old group, only 49% say they're Christian. We're headed in the wrong direction, folks. We're headed in the wrong direction, And what about the children coming behind us? What percentage are they going to be? What percentage? Will it be less than 49? If the trend continues, certainly it will be. We're headed in the wrong direction. There's compromise in the church. There's so much extra stuff that takes up our time. T-ball and soccer and all those things that used to 25 or 30 years ago didn't happen on Wednesday nights. Didn't happen on Sundays. But so many people are drawn into that, and they and they do the travel ball and they stay gone from church. They, we just got to do that. Church should come first. We've made it okay to miss church for other things. We're not supposed to forsake the assembly of ourselves together. Let me tell you about two times in our married life when we made choices regarding attending worship or not. One time, we Halloween fell on Wednesday night, and our church had a fall festival, but we really wanted our girls to enjoy the trick-or-treating in town in Meridian. So we said to ourselves, it'll be okay, we'll take them trick-or-treating first, and then we'll go to the fall festival. So we did that. We made that choice. And we had a rotten time fighting the crowds at Broadmoor. Trying to trick-or-treat door-to-door. Just had a rotten time. We rushed back to the church only to find that they started shutting down the fall festival. We missed it all. And we left there that night saying, we'll no longer do this. Church will come first. But we messed up that time. And then another time, a few years later, our girls were taking dance. And their dance recital was coming up and the rehearsal was on Wednesday night. Renee told the lady, we, church comes first, we're on the church, the church on Wednesday night and she was leading a group and, of, of children singing and uh, she said, when our time comes to go, we'll, our, our girls will be there until it's time to leave to go to church. And that lady looked at, looked at her like she was crazy. But she made a stand. And then the next year rolled around, same thing. Wednesday night was rehearsal. And the lady said, well, I know you're not going to be here past a certain time. That was the right choice to make for us. But we didn't always make the right choice when it came to that. There's compromise in the church. Not only are people compromising when it comes to attending church, but there's compromise within, within the church about worship. Youth and children's activities have to seem like get less and less scriptural and more and more worldly. I remember my daddy growing up at Deerbrook Baptist Church, he said back in the 50s and 60s, and Stevie and, and Gary all may know about this, he said, you know, back then, Deerbrook Baptist was full for vacation Bible school. And we were lucky to get a glass of lemonade and a cookie. But now what do churches do? So many of them, they spend thousands of dollars on decorations. And thousands of dollars on food, only to have a lackluster crowd. We feel like we have to lure people in with all these gimmicks. And what they should be coming for is the Lord's Word. It should be ordering our steps in God's Word. I heard someone say a few years back that the children's minister, we just got we just gotta make it fun, or they won't come. I'm not opposed to fun. But when fun is the main source of focus instead of the gospel, then we're doing the wrong thing. We're compromising in church. This guy that we're looking at here, this guy named Micah in Judges, he he sets up a shrine in his home to worship these idols. Now he's trying to worship God. He thinks he's worshiping God. He's doing it his way. Sets up a shrine in his home. The Jews are supposed to worship in the temple. It's forbidden to worship anywhere else but that. Then he appoints one of his own sons as a priest. The priest was supposed to be from the Levites. His son was not a Levite. But he was doing it his way. Next he found something he thought would be better. He found a young Levite. i'm trying to do right trying to be like god wants me to be he finds this young Levite looking for a job he says you come work for me you come live in my house i'll give you your 10 shekels of silver a year and i'll clothe you and i'll feed you and you be my personal priest he's compromising in the church doing things the way he wanted to do them sometimes we get caught up in that same trap we like things a certain way and God's Word says something, but we, we want to do something different. We like it better doing it this way. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 says these words. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Have we reached a point in our country where we're doing that? Where we've compromised our worship in order to suit our own desires? We need to get back to God's Word. We need to order our steps in His Word. It starts with confusion in the home, that leads to compromise in church. And the third thing I would have us to see. That leads to collapse in society. Verse 6 there, Judges chapter 17 says, In those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Now it didn't say that they're doing what's wrong in their own eyes. They're doing what they thought was right. Regardless of God's law, Regardless of man's law. And our society is teetering on the brink of utter moral and spiritual collapse. Everyone wants to do what's right in their own eyes. We've allowed abortion to go on, which is murder of unborn children. We call it a woman's right to choose. And it's celebrated by some. God have mercy on us. Marriage is between one man and one woman. That's how God ordained it, yet in our society we now have some who choose to live an alternative lifestyle. And it's celebrated on TV and in the news. But Romans chapter 1, verses 25 through 28 says these words. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even though women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. It is sin. God's word says it's sin. Yet our country celebrates it. Our country celebrates it. And to top it off, we have a a week to celebrate called Gay Pride Week, where the rainbow flag is flown. Interesting thing about rainbows. God's rainbow. The rainbow of covenant promise. When God put it in the sky to say he would not flood the earth anymore. The rainbow of covenant, covenant promise has seven colors in it. Seven, the number of perfection. Guess how many colors are in the rainbow flag of the LGBT movement? Six. The number of a man. Listen to Revelation chapter 13 and verse 18. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man. That number is six, six, six. Isaiah writes in chapter 5 and verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And we look around our world today. Are we calling sweet things bitter and bitter things sweet? Are we calling light darkness and darkness light? We don't have to look too close to see that we are. There's collapse in society. How do we turn it around? It all starts at home. It all starts at home. Honoring God in our homes and then worshiping God in spirit and in truth in our churches with no compromise. Malachi 3 and verse 7 says these words. God says, return to me and I will return to you. We need to order our steps in his holy word. Pray for Jesus to keep us near the cross and seek him with our whole hearts. That's how we turn it around. But it all starts at home. Let's pray. God, we're thankful that your word is truth, Lord, and that you are the giver of life Lord, that you forgive sin, and Lord, we're all guilty of sin. All sin in your eyes is the same, Lord, and you hate it all. And each and every one of us in this room is guilty of breaking your laws and your commandments. No sin in your eyes is worse than another. Father, we ask you to forgive us where we failed you. Order our steps in your word this morning, Lord. Help us to share the good news of Jesus with those around us. In his precious name we pray. Amen.